Welcome everyone to today's class. Does anyone have any questions from last class or previous class? Dharmesh. So I just want to reconfirm what we learned last week. So we have desires. We're not born with all the desires. We're born with percentage of desires. Can you replace the word desires with vastness? Vastness, okay. So we're born with a percentage of our vastness. We can exhaust the vastness here. If we connect with the self, whatever vastness we have left, they're forgotten and break the cycle, correct? Yes. I'm going to go through it a little bit in more, a bit more detail again today, just so that everyone is more clear about it. Look, don't worry too much how much of it you understand or not. It's not relevant to your life as it is right now. So, Sanchita Vasnas is your total Vasnas. Not so, Tantita is a total vasnas. Out of that total vasna, small portion comes out. That small portion is Dipaben, Belaben, Dharmeshpai, Vanitaben. This small portion comes out as you right now, the individual. That is the Prarabdha vasnas. So these prarabdha vasanas need exhausting in this lifetime. You can't interfere with them. You can't change them. You can exhaust it through experience or through knowledge. Every one of us is born with a set of vasanas. So this portion that comes out of your sanchita vasanas needs immediate manifestation. And that's why it comes out. And nature helps us to exhaust them. If we leave nature to it, it helps us to exhaust our vastness. But what happens is we go against nature. We add more vastness, more gross vastness. For example, our body works perfectly well, efficiently. But what we do, we do, we feed it junk. That goes against nature. So what was working perfectly, now it doesn't work perfectly. 
So this is how vasanas function. Small portion comes out, which is yourself now. When these vasanas are exhausted, you die, you're reborn, when you sell vasanas. And this is how it works. So a few people asked last week if we can come back as an animal. In this lifetime, if you have animal tendencies, such as you like to kill, in society we do not allow killing. So nature provides you a way to express those destructive vasanas, killing vasanas. So you might come back as an animal. Then you have the freedom to kill. A wolf, a tiger, no one stops them from killing. You can freely kill as much as you like. So in this lifetime, if you reach that state of self-realization, you get rid of all your sanchita vasanas, the vasanas that are there waiting. Only a human can do this. No animal can do this. That's why we say we're very fortunate that we're born as a human being. So we need to make every effort to try and get to that state. Is that okay? Yeah. So in this lifetime, by reaching that state of self-realization, you can exhaust all your sanchita vasanas. So you break the cycle of birth and death. But we said that you would still continue to live because of prarabdha vasanas. These vasanas you have to finish off in this lifetime. So let's not waste our life on petty things and try and uh, work towards it. Any questions? Does everyone have a, a rough idea of what we're saying? Gabel? Good. Yeah, Phil has a question. So getting rid of your Sanjita Vasanas is the absolute state. Mm -hmm. But in the relative state, can we change our Sanjita Vasanas by our by our action. So, or is it that Sanjita Vasanas can never be changed? Does that make sense? Well, Sanjita Vasanas are Vasanas that are waiting for you to retake birth in another lifetime. So you have no access to that as you are right now in this, in this lifetime, except for exhausting them at self-realization. Sense. Why? Because I was under the impression mm -hmm. that if I put in the right cause now, mm -hmm. so for example, I would assume that I'm on a spiritual journey where I am developing more mm -hmm. and I'm putting in the right cause for that in the sense of increasing the level of, I suppose, awareness mm -hmm. of Brahman. So if I'm already on that path, mm -hmm. 
right now I've got my prarabdha, which is enabling me to do that. But then my next lifetime would hopefully enable me to develop even more spiritually because that I have a vasana for that right now, yeah. a strong desire. So therefore, one would assume that that Santita Vasna that I don't know about would be changed to enable me. I don't know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So what happens is that whatever desires that are strong in this lifetime, you carry them forward. Because you can add desires. Yeah. Yeah? What dies is your body, your mind and intellect, this knowledge goes with you. So if you have a deep desire to attain that state, that will then manifest in the next lifetime. Which, would, which is because it's changed my sanjita, no? No, you carry, see you can add, take away vasanas, you can add vasanas. So you're adding vasanas of developing spiritually. Yes. So if they're more stronger, then you will be reborn with those vasanas and a portion of the sanjita vasanas, whichever is stronger, that needs manifesting is what will come out. So if you do work towards spiritual development, that will come with you in your next life. Let's just leave it as that. Because this is a theory. Yeah? No one has come back to say, but these great sages have said, birth and death, there has to be a reason why there's this cycle. And they've come up with this theory. This is how possibly it can function. Yeah. Otherwise, people will be born. Why are people born more gross than some people are born more with more subtle desires of spiritual development? There has to be some rollover from this lifetime. If you're good, then that goodness will come with you. Any questions? Okay. Like I said, don't think too much into it. Yeah, just focus on this lifetime, developing spiritually, getting spiritual knowledge, and trying to improve yourself. Just focus on that. But this is just an explanation to give you some idea of how it may how it may operate. Is that okay, Shashi? Okay. So, Prabhu, did you have a question? So today's class, um, we're talking about the state of self-realization. And once a person has become self-realized, what is the impact of the world on him? You've reached that state. When you enter the world after that state of reaching that experience, how are you behaving? How does the world impact your personality? This is what we're talking about. Okay. Ravi? Impact of the world on him. The enlightened person revels in the supreme bliss of the self. He remains absolutely fulfilled. No more physical pleasure, emotional joy, or intellectual satisfaction can enhance his bliss within. 
His state is like the ocean. Rivers pours millions upon millions of gallons of water into the ocean, or you may draw millions out of it. Neither makes a difference to the ocean, so too the extremities of wealth, environment or situation make no difference to his state of absolute bliss. They're saying a self-realized soul is completely fulfilled and content. No further physical pleasure, meaning for the body, or emotional joy for the mind, or intellectual satisfaction can enhance, meaning increase that bliss that he's feeling, that joy that he's experiencing. He is completely satisfied. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't want anything. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He has no need for any experiences. He's puripurna, completely fulfilled. He may still experience these things, but it doesn't make a difference to his life. He's reached such a high state. Nothing can enhance the state of happiness and bliss that you feel. We can't understand that state because we have too many desires. You win the lottery. So what? Doesn't make any difference. You're getting a knighthood. Doesn't make any difference. Remember the story I told you about the sage and Alexander the Great? He was lying there and he said, come, I want to take you to my kingdom. And he said, no, I'm fine. But he took him anyway, put him in a cell. He didn't make any difference to him. He was completely content. Wouldn't make any difference to him. Same thing. So it gives a Metaphor, his state is like the ocean. Rivers pour millions upon millions of gallons of water into the ocean. Or you may draw millions out of it. Neither makes a difference to the ocean. Similarly, self-realized person, it doesn't make any difference. He's not dependent on the world at all for his happiness. This is the state. We can only dream of a, such a state, or we can't even understand such a state. Ravi. Now observe the life of a lay person. He can take a loss up to a point. Beyond that point, he cannot handle it. He collapses. Imagine a person losing a pen. What is the loss to him? Nothing. It will not break his heart. Stretch it a little. He has his pen with him. But coming out into the car park, he finds his car missing. What is the loss of a car to him? It may or may not upset him. Extend this thought further. The car is there, but as he reaches home, he finds his newly built house completely gutted, everything reduced to ashes. How is that? 
Furthermore, his house remains perfectly intact, but he hears the family, his dear wife and two lovely children have met with a fatal accident. How would he handle that? Fuss somewhere down the line from a pen to a family. Something can upset him, shatter him. In contrast, for the self-realized, the loss of everything in the world is no loss at all. It has no significance in the boundless bliss that he revels in. So a normal person compared to a self-realized person, affected by whatever happens to him in the world. We're affected by what happens in the world. Can bring him either joy or sorrow. Each person, all of us, has a tolerance level, which after we break. This is because we are completely dependent on the world for our happiness. A self-realized person isn't. So there's a comparison between a self-realized person who's completely independent and us who are dependent on the world. Say, so saying, you lose a pen. You go to your friend's house, you lose a pen. Do you ring him and say, hey, my big pen is lost. Can you have a look for it? What is the loss of a pen to you? Someone may. Maybe his favorite pen. Coming to the car park, your car's missing. Would that break you? How would you feel? What is the loss of a car? The car is there, you go home, your house is burnt down. What is the loss of a house to you? Your family, fatal accident. How would you handle that? They think somewhere down the line, we have a breaking point because we're dependent on the world. So any questions? Why is that? Why are we dependent on the world? Why are we dependent on the world? Any ideas, Ramesh? We, we live in it. We assume that's it. This is where we gain happiness and pleasure. We're involved in the world. We're attached to the world and everything in it. And that's why we're affected by the world. So this knowledge helps you to detach from the world. So you're not affected. Vedanta pronounces an astounding truth that the entire world is unreal. That's it, class is finished. If you understand that, class is finished, no more classes. Benito. The entire world is unreal. See, if you believe that, you understand that, doesn't matter. Completely unreal. 
Problem is we don't. That's the reason we get uh, involved and we're affected. Figment of your mind. This is what we're trying to gravitate to, to be able to absorb and understand the fathom of that sentence. Okay. Vedanta pronounces an astounding truth that the entire world is unreal, a mere imaginary pro projection, a figment of your mind. This rigid stern world is just another dream. The waking and dream state differ only in degree, not in kind. You do not perceive this truth as long as you remain in the waking state. The moment you move up to the fourth plane of consciousness, attain self-realization, this solid seeming world disappears. It turns into a meaningless nothing. Vedanta states that the world is an illusion, it's a figment of your mind, just a projection of your mind, nothing else. How do you explain that? I say to you, this world is unreal, it's a projection of your mind. You think there's something wrong with this guy, what's he talking about? The madman. So, I'm going to explain. Listen carefully. When you wake up in the morning from a dream, the whole dream you know was a projection of your mind, correct? Similarly, when you reach the fourth state, you understand that the waking state is just another dream. It is no different from the dream you had last night. That's when you reach that fourth state. The dream and the waking world both feel different, but they are the same. This is what they're saying. The reason they feel different is because they're both different experiences. When you dream, it is the dreamer that experiences the dream. To the dreamer, everything is solid and real in the dream. But when you wake up, it is not the dreamer, it is the waker that is experiencing the waking world. He cannot remember the solidity of the dream. So he rejects it. But for the dreamer, it's real. Just like the dreamer experiences the dream world, to the waker, this waking world seems completely solid and real. Because you're not the dreamer, that's why you can't, you don't, you think the dream is unreal. But to the dreamer, it's completely real. Someone chasing him in the alleyway, he's sweating, he's running for his life. You wake up in a cold sweat, what happened? I had a bit of a nightmare. To the dream, it was real. It's only when you wake up, you think, 
What are you talking about? Go back to sleep. It's a dream, it's real. Similarly, when you reach this fourth state, you become self-realized. From this state, the waking state, you see no difference between the dream state and the waking state. From the fourth state, they're both the same. To a self-realized person, they are both an illusion, both unreal. So tell me, would he be affected? Anything that goes on in the world, in the waking world? He acts in the world not affected at all by anything because he knows it's unreal for him. Just like right now, you're not affected by whatever happened in the dream last night. You're not affected by it, are you? Whatever happened in the dream last night, you had a nightmare, whatever it was, it is, does not affect you right now in this waking state. Because you know it was a dream. Same thing. I know it sounds complicated to get your head around. You have to think about it. But this is exactly how it is. Is there any clarifications? Okay. Ravi. Um, a self-realized person, I know we say it's not effective, but just to re-emphasize, a self-realized person will act within the world um, based on his obligations to follow through what that needs to be, you know, fulfilled based on what he's responsible for. So they'd be self-realized from within, not affected by the external world, but the external world may see him as being affected because he's fulfilling his obligations and just for going about his business as such. He's not affected by anything. So people might think he's a bit crazy. Hey, your house just burned down. So what? What, you're not affected by it? No. To a normal person, he might think, what's wrong with this guy? So basically, that person will make decisions and may act in a very calm, calculated manner, effectively. Calm, objective, selfless. Krishna. Sittle saying Krishna. Not affected by anything. That sage, Alexander the Great Cook, who was not affected by anything. He was in a cell or next to the riverbank. It didn't make any difference to him. Would you be affected by your dream last night when you wake up? Same thing. Next paragraph, you'll have a better understanding. Megna, you okay to read? Okay. You may get a glimpse of the staggering truth by comparing it with your personal experience of the dream world. As long as you take the position of a dreamer, the dreamer finds the dream world to be real, as solid and stern as the waker finds the waking world to be. No sooner the dreamer wakes up to become the waker. 
then the dream world disappears. The dream world means nothing to the waker. Imagine the waker entering into his erstwhile dream. What impact will the dream world have on the waker? Will the riches of the dream world increase his wealth in the waking world? Will the joy and sorrow of the dream mean anything to the waker? The honor and dishonor meted out to the dreamer have any impact on the waker? The entire dream world has no pith or substance, has no value to the waker. Just so, the waking world has the same impact on the self-realized person. The waking world is a hollow, empty nothingness to him. He wants nothing from this world, expects nothing, has no interest in anything that the world offers, nor is he dependent on anything. Heat or cold, joy or sorrow, honour or dishonour mean the same to him. In Shakespeare's words, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. That is the supreme stance of the enlightened. I'll give an example. You're dreaming, you're having a dream. You're checking your lotto ticket. Announcing the numbers on TV. In the dream. Number five, you check your ticket. You have number five, you ticket. Number 22, you check your ticket. You have number 22, you ticket. Number 29, check your ticket. You have number 29. You say to yourself, I've won 10 pounds. Wow. Number 32, wow, you got number 32, you ticket. You get excited. Number 41, you check your ticket, you have number 41. One more number, I hit the jackpot, 100 million. So excited. You start imagining what you will do with that 100 million. Just before the sixth number is called, the alarm goes off. You wake up. But you want to know what's the sixth number. So you're able to go back partially in the dream, when you're half awake, half asleep. And you call the last number, 49, you have that. You win 100 million. But now you're awake. You know it was a dream. Does it have any effect on you? Do you have the same excitement? Anyone? We'll be excited. Will you go and tell your friends I want 100 million? Really? Where? In my dream. Why? Why aren't you excited? Why are you not excited? Satiban, why aren't you excited? You want 100 million? As you know, it is a dream. Whatever happens in a dream, now that you're awake, has no effect on you. Money is no use to you in the waking world. But while you're in the dream, it's a different feeling. 
a completely different story. Same thing. Same thing a self-realized feels when he's in the waking world after that state. As Shakespeare says, all the world's a stage, all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. The world is a stage. What does that mean? An actor on stage, whatever role he plays, does not affect his real life, correct? He kills someone, or someone kills him on stage, has no effect on him. He falls in love with a woman, where? On the stage, Romeo and Juliet. His wife is in the audience. She knows, it's a play. He crown him King of England. Now, actor is not affected by the role he plays. He's not affected as long as he keeps his identity with the real person he is. And not the role that he is playing. If he really thinks his Romeo is in trouble. Real life Juliet hates, hates him. So he has to keep his identification with his real personality. So whatever happens on stage does not affect him. Same thing. So similarly, you will be free from the effects and persecution of the world. Good things, bad things, honor, dishonor, rich, poor, COVID-19, only when you keep your identity with the self, your true personality. I am not this body, mind, and intellect. I am the self. I am this reality. I am Atman, Brahman, and God. You identify with that, nothing bothers you in the world. State of a self-realized person. Lot to take in, any questions? I've been thinking about this for quite a bit and I was wondering how this compares to myself and I thought if I designed a computer program, an AI program, the AI program would think it's alive, it would think it's the self, it's, it's, it exists, but it doesn't exist, it only exists in the computer that I made. So that is our life really. We're just a program that thinks we exist. Yeah, you can identify with that. That's perfectly fine. Any other clarifications? These concepts, you have to think about them, read them, try to understand them. And then you will under, then it will hit you. The gravity of what we're saying will hit you. It takes time. You can't just get it in a class. 
you have to put in that effort. As soon as the class is finished, you, it'll, it'll go away. And the book now from next chapter, which is the third section, it just gets more and more subtle, more and more subtle. I think one of the chapters is called Illusions. We explain what Maya is. So, you know, it's quite deep. So these things, you have theory of perception. We have to really uh, think about these things for us to, to, for it to register within us. Any questions? Did everyone um, understand the uh, dream waking state when I explained with the lottery? Yeah, that's the simplest I can put it. Okay. Robbie's question was about the daughter of GT and acting in the world. That's a question. Robbie, did you just, uh, you had a question? No, previously. Yeah. Can you read the next paragraph? The waking world does not in any way affect the self-realized person. It produces no effect on him. His state is comparable to the phenomenon of optical vision. A rugged landscape lies on the delicate retina of your eyes. It does not burden your eyes. Your eyes remain unaffected by the nature of the landscape. So does the enlightened remain free from the impact of the world. He passes through life's affairs, the world's fluctuations and challenges without the least burden. He maintains his supreme state of peace and bliss through the undulation and altercation of life. When one is self-realized, they have no interest in the world. The world has nothing to offer him. Nothing happening in the world can affect his state of enlightenment. He just acts on his obligations, whatever they are. Now, some of you may think what we've covered today, the state of self-realization seems beyond my capacity. And I don't blame you. You're probably right. They say, one in a generation reaches that state. So what chance do we have? It's logical to think this way. But the fact is, you don't need to get to self-realization to live peacefully and happy in the world. You don't need to get to that state. You just need a small portion of this knowledge with a little knowledge, the relationship with your partner, your family, your work colleagues, all becomes better. Already your life starts becoming happier, peaceful. With a little knowledge, you change from being unsatisfied with life to being satisfied with life. You're able to take on all challenges in life without being affected. But know that 
as a human, you have the potential to reach that state. You may not get that, to that state, but you have the potential to reach that state. Give you an example. Person living in a slum. Dirty, smelly, small shack. He has the potential to become a millionaire, correct? Yeah, he has the potential to become a millionaire. But if he moves from that shack in the slum to a one-bedroom apartment, he has three good meals a day. Is he not a happy and satisfied person? From where he was to where he is now, He's comfortable, three meals, he's happy, he's satisfied. He may not become a millionaire, but his life has changed for the better. Same thing. You absorb a little bit of this knowledge, live by it, changes your life for the better. But you don't need to reach that state. To have a peaceful, happy life, you don't need to reach that state. Just need a small bit of knowledge. Is there any questions? Yeah, Kevin. Well, question. I think it's maybe I just want to clarify. I don't. I'm not sure I understand completely. So the beginning of the class, we said that we have our Sanjita Vasnas, which is this entire bucket um, of Vasnas. And when we are born, we take maybe a beaker full of those vasanas, which is our prabhadra vasanas, right? And that's what propels us through life at this point in time. Um, but previously we discussed also that an enlightened person is, essentially has no more vasanas, correct? So- No I, more sanchita vasanas. Okay, so no more sanchita vasanas. Not, you still have your prabhadra vasanas that you have to accomplish. Okay, all right, no, no, then that clarifies it. I thought that we said that they have no vasanas and I was just confused because if you have no vasanas, how can you be enlightened and still live, right? Okay, no, that's fine. And see, you're born with prarabdha vasanas and this goes back to what Sittal asked as well. But you can add to your vasanas, your sanchita vasanas. Yeah, depending on your desires, you can create more desires while you're living. As Carol Parbu, you can add more desires. They may not be exhausted in this lifetime, but you can add more desires. And if those desires are strong, then the next lifetime, those desires will manifest. The strongest desires manifest from the Sanchita. So, so essentially what we're trying to do is we obviously don't know how much Sanchita Vasanas we have, right? We could have one, we could have millions. Yeah. Um, and essentially what we're trying to do as a in our human birth is to connect with this with the atma um, and brahman so that we reduce so that becomes the strongest desire that's right. and that's the, that's, the, that's the only way to break free yeah. and at the same time you reduce and how do you how do you do that you're reducing your desires when you, say, when you say reducing your desires 
to me, that sounds like we're fulfilling what our desires, like we have desires and that's why, I don't know, we walk past a bakery and I want to have a slice of cake. But that's still all your Prabhada Vasanas. Like how can you reduce your Sanjita Vasanas if you, are, if you don't have access to them at this point in time? Exactly, exactly. So at self-realization, the Sanjita Vasanas are exhausted, they say. But the ones you're born with, you have to experience them or exhaust them through knowledge. You have to go through them. Remember that um, example I gave with the car? Mm -hmm. 70 miles an hour and it runs out of fuel, it still carries on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stop. Same thing. So, Persons, so, Vasanas propel him to act in the world in this lifetime. Okay. So when we get to the point of enlightenment, our Sanshita Vasanas essentially are wiped clean and we still, our Prabhupada Vasanas still exist. And those will propel us through the rest of this lifetime until they are exhausted, at which point we would cease to exist. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. I'm not going to take on the next topic because uh, it'll be too much for you to handle in one session because it's there is quite it's quite deep as well, um, and I won't do it justice if I. Go for it now. So um, if there's any uh, general questions or any more clarifications or what we've covered today, then we're happy to go through that. Yeah, Meghna. Um, not so much a, a question, but when we, so when we have sort of that dream in that, and you're in that dream state, you think it's real, and then you wake up from that dream and you realize that it isn't real and it doesn't affect you, isn't that much easier because you're physically out of the dream now and it, you're not in there. You don't have to live in the dream still knowing that it's unreal. So comparing it to waking up from the waking world and becoming self-realized, you realize that it's not real anymore, but you still have to live amongst the people who do and you know, and you still have to live in that state. So it's much easier to sort of dismiss the dream because you're out of it and it's just not, it's not real, so it doesn't affect you. But when you're living amongst everything, when you still have to live in this world, isn't that much more difficult to try and... No, because what drives that, what drives you does not drive him anymore. He's not affected by anything. What you're affected by, he's not affected by it. Just as if you went back into the dream, you're not affected by anything. Now a person's chasing in the alleyway, you've woken up, you're not bothered. You'll confront him. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, because you know it's not real. Similarly, once a person reaches that state and he has to carry on with his prarabdha vasanas, he's not affected by anything. Just like you're not affected when you go back into your dream. Nothing bothers him. Doesn't mean he doesn't deal with his obligations. He deals with it. But selflessly. He doesn't need anything. Is that okay, Magma? Same thing, same thing. But we can't understand it. From our state, we can't understand it. Just as a subtle just mentioned, the dreamer cannot understand the waker. In the dream world, if you say, hey, well, you 
You're not a dreamer, you're a waker. A dreamer doesn't know what you're talking about. He's got his dream family. He's got his dream job. He's got everything in his dream, dream world. He doesn't understand anything about the waker. Different state. Same thing, we wouldn't understand the fourth state. But when he comes back after that experience, that's it. Not interested. Death knocks on his door, let's go. Doesn't bother him. Is that okay, Nilam? Is that okay, Mekna? Yeah, Ravi. You you still have emotions, would you not? Obviously, you know, by living in the world, experiencing the world, you'll still have emotions, but you'll still express emotions, crying, grieving, and so forth. You're not cold as such. You won't stand there and talk, say, well, it doesn't affect me. That's it. You have emotions, but you don't become emotional. There's a difference. Yeah, no, that's exactly. I just want to clarify that because obviously we, you keep, we keep saying the self-realized person is unaffected, unaffected, but yes. unaffected in the sense that could clearly see through it and not be affected by it, but still live in the world and have the emotions of you know missing someone, grieving someone, but still know where it's going. It's not affected by it. That's the difference. Somebody needs emotions, he'll pour it out selflessly but it doesn't affect him. He doesn't get affected by it, the grief, because he understands the truth. Okay, since we've been talking about this Parabdha uh, Vasana and Sangeeta Vasana and cause and effect in our lives, my mind is racing to say when somebody is ill and they don't have the sense of what's happening around them, but, and they, I know they're exhausting their vasanas somehow without them, even them knowing they're exhausting their vasanas. So it's not affecting them, but it's affecting the people around them. And it takes such a long time for that person to exhaust their vasanas. So how do they build uh, so are they just finishing their vas their parabdha or sanjita vasanas? They're finishing the parabdha vasanas, whatever they may be, which is based on cause and effect. Because then it's not affecting them, but it's affecting the people who are around them. Why would, they care? Why would they care if it's affecting people around them? You're affected because you're not developed enough to understand. It's not their problem that you're affected, it's your problem. Isn't it? So you need this knowledge to... Be less affected. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bouncing have, ball, right? <laughs> if they have the knowledge, they're not affected. If you're affected, then that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the difference. You know, okay. after Vasanas, you don't know. You know, you can live to a hundred. Okay. Yeah. So, 
how it functions. We can't understand it. So you don't want to be affected. You have to develop yourself through knowledge and understanding, through gaining wisdom. To remember, entire world is unreal. If you remember that, you won't be affected by anything. <laughs> Just as you're not affected by the dream world. Same thing. Okay. So, any other questions? No, that's good. Any other topics? Anybody wants to? Any clarifications? You all had enough for today? It's a lot to uh, absorb. Yep, good to go. You okay? You okay? Any further clarifications? No, it's all good. Okay. I still have my original question, so I'm still waiting for that. You've been answered. We can't understand where they come from. The original question is where do vasanas come from? They come from the Sanchita vasanas. Where do Sanchita vasanas come from? We can't understand that. We can't understand what's beyond our solar system. And this is in the world. How can we understand something beyond the world? We don't. Our intellect's not sufficient enough to understand. We're a limited person. You can't understand everything in the world. How can you understand something beyond the world? It's impossible. And even if we understand it, it's not going to make a difference because you have to put the effort in in this lifetime right now. And knowing that is not going to help you make that effort. What you already know is sufficient for you to make the effort if you believe it, if you have faith in what has been said by these great sages from their introverted experiences. If you have faith, then you follow it. If you don't, then you don't. But no amount of knowledge, unless you have faith and convert it to wisdom and live by it, will make a difference. You have to put that effort in. No one can do it for you. Your partner can't do it for you. Everyone's journey is their own. Come with, come on your own, you go on your own. In between, you mingle with a few people here and there, and that's it. You have a few relationships. That's it. Then you, you go. As the Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage. Men and women merely players. They have the exits and the entrances. In between, they do a few acting between a few people. This is my wife, my children, my brother, my sister. After a while, it's finished. Just the, a few roles that we play in our lifetime. That's it. So think of it that way. Hey, you still have to do obligations, yeah? <laughs> Doesn't mean you can get away from your obligations. You make your bed, you have to line it. 
Okay, there's no more questions, Tamesh. That's only if you believe in it, your obligations, if you have faith in what you believe. I, I think that's what my issue is, is having faith in what, what I'm learning, or is it Hinduism is correct, is Christianity correct, is Islam? Because if you talk to people of other faiths, they believe in what they're believing in, and that's what propels them. I can't tell you what to believe in. My job is to give you, um, pass this knowledge on to you. That is the role I've taken. Now, how you receive it, that's, I can't be in control of how you receive it. What you do with it, I have no control over what you do with it. Yeah. I'm just playing my role to pass this knowledge. Now, as Dan said, people, you believe in it or you don't believe it. There's a simple answer to that. You try it. You try waking up 4.30 in the morning and studying and see if it makes a difference to your life. If it doesn't, then you give it up. If it works, then you know that, hang on, there's something in it. You try being unselfish, thinking of others before yourself. See if that makes a difference to your life. You try it. If it does, then you say, okay, maybe there's something in it. Let me try something else. If it doesn't work, you leave it. Simple as that. How you receive it is up to you. What you do with it is up to you. Is that okay, Thomas? Definitely, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> that goes to all of you, by the way, not just Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. So we'll call it a day there.